Episode 242 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Simonoff sitting in for Bill. The Medical Society of Sedgwick County is always busy advocating for the physicians in the county, but in 2020, 2021, and now 2022, the group has been working to educate residents about best practices for beating back COVID-19. MSSC's president for the year, Dr. Jean Croker, joins me to talk about her goals for 2022 and her not-so-direct path into medicine. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story looks at the ongoing progress at the Kansas Health Science Center, which this fall is on schedule to open the Kansas College of Osteopathic Medicine. Reporter Shelby Kellerman got a look inside the converted downtown buildings and provides an update on where the college stands in terms of construction completion, hiring, and preparing for students this fall. That story begins on page 11. Our list this week is the area's largest health and fitness facilities. You can probably guess the top two, but take a look at the many other options for exercise in the area. The list is on page eight. Our special report this week is human resources. We look at how HR managers and directors continue to deal with COVID-19 guidelines, both from a governmental standpoint and from a challenging hiring time. That story begins on page 16. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 18. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Dr. Jean Croker is an internist with the Kansas Physician Group and in 2022 is the president of the Medical Society of Sedgwick County. Jean, thanks so much for joining the podcast. I'm so glad to be here. We want to talk about your year coming up as, as Medical Society president, but first let's learn more about you. I, I understand you didn't try, follow the tried and true path to becoming a doctor. Could, could you talk about your road to medical school? Absolutely. Um, so I was somebody who from probably grade school, if not junior high on, knew that I was going to become a doctor. But by the time I was in high school, I had a wiser, older brother who warned me to choose a major in college that I could actually use just in case I didn't get into medical school or I changed my mind or something else. Um, He'd seen too many of his friends major in biology or chemistry and then kind of flounder, not really sure what they were going to do if they didn't actually go to medical school. Mm -hmm. So I thought about that my senior year in high school and frankly applied to schools that advertise biomedical engineering um, as a possible major. Now, biomedical engineering in 1986, 1987 was actually a brand new uh, major. And now it's actually the second or third most popular engineering discipline in almost every engineering school. Hmm. Um, and I ended up selecting uh, MIT as, as my uh, school um, 
frankly, because of location, um, I had some family members who had been there and had great experiences with it. And, and truly, educationally, it was, it was marvelous. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, um, literally my freshman year, as I sat meeting with an advisor, they told me that biomedical engineering was not yet an accredited degree there. Um, and this hadn't come up in interviews and this hadn't come up in applications or anything else. So it was a, a little bit of a surprise. And I ended up choosing chemical engineering instead. And like many college students, by about my junior year in college, I was maybe a little bit disenchanted with being in school and continuing school and four more years of med school seemed like an awfully long time. And after a summer internship with ARCO um, in Anchorage, Alaska, getting to live sort of the corporate life and working as as an engineer, uh, I thought that was going to be my path. So I didn't take the MCAT and I didn't um, apply to med school. And instead I started working as a process engineer or chemical engineer after graduation. That work took me out to Kansas um, because I was in a rotational program. Where did you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And um, I was, as a 22 year old graduate, I was young, single, could move anywhere. Uh, but I wanted to actually be in a manufacturing center as opposed to like a corporate center. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up working for Air Products, um, which had a chemical plant here in Wichita. Was here for eight months, moved to uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, and worked there for about nine months, and then actually came back out to Wichita and continued working for a few more years for Air Products. What were your first impressions of Kansas? Um, it was amazingly friendly. Um, the people I worked with were very, very welcoming, recognizing that I was a bit of a fish out of water. Um, having not been here before, I traveled various places in the US, but had never actually made it to Kansas. My brother had gone to med school or gone to graduate school at Iowa State. So I'd been across um, some of the Plains states before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked this small town feel in a larger city, um, which is kind of the way Wichita felt back in the um, late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly loved the cost of living, which was immensely different than the New Jersey, Boston areas that I had been in before. Sure. Uh, so you were in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and then you, I think you said you came back to Kansas? I did, I came back to Kansas. Um, came out of that rotational program and became a, a true like full-time employee at the local facility here in Wichita. Um, but after about two and a half years or so of working, I started thinking about the, the long range plan and looking at 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, 40 years down the road. And I just couldn't imagine still working in the engineering field. So I regrouped um, literally did some career planning um, exercises and every single thing kept coming back to what I had told myself in grade school and middle school that I would be that I wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. So I took the MCAT, um, took an extra biology class that I needed for uh, credit, uh, quit my job as the engineer after four years and enrolled at KU. When you look back at your decision to to get in to to stay in the engineering field out of college, and of course it's a prestigious degree at from MIT, uh, do you look back at that as a, a a great experience that you wanted to have, or do you look back on it, you know, 
two decades plus later and think I might have wasted time. I should have become a doctor earlier. How do you how do you look at it now? I actually find it amazingly valuable. Um, having four years of real world working and living experience outside of medicine, um, being a patient before I was the med student or a doctor, um, seeing how businesses run, um, understanding the, uh, the finances and economies of a true business as opposed to, a, say, a service. Um, all of those were immensely helpful. Um, I... I have a different rapport with some of my patients because I actually worked a different job before I was a doctor and I, that pops up every so often and again is amazingly helpful. From a purely financial standpoint, four years of working um, <clears throat> allowed me to get into medical school with essentially no debt um, and having paid off things like a car and some basic furniture uh, I didn't have those worries and I didn't have those constraints while I was in medical school. And I'm uh, inordinately grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Let me ask more about you. You mentioned being a patient before a doctor. That mm -hmm. That is not the norm for most medical school students, I would guess. And uh, can you talk a little bit more about how, how much more perspective that gives you as a doctor now? Um, I, I would argue that almost anybody who, you know, is a patient has that experience, but kind of walking in to a lobby or into an office or even just interacting with somebody over the phone, um, it, it, starting from a period, uh, stance of not really knowing anything. Um, it, when you're a doctor and you call to another doctor's office, even as a patient, uh, there's often sort of this assumption that you, you already know stuff. Um, and sometimes when we're a patient, we really want to actually be told the very, very specifics. We want to be, we want to be instructed. Um, and we, so having a better idea of the patient perspective, um, I, I'm immensely aware of people struggling to take time off to get in to make an appointment. Mm -hmm. um, that, that there is another job that they had and they had to be there and they had to take the time off or somebody's covering for them. Um, you know, that's a very, very different perspective than the doctor side of it, where somebody just sort of magically appears in your office. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you decide to become, to, to specialize in internal medicine? A very roundabout sort of thing, because of course I had to overthink it and rethink it and, and then hyperthink it again. <laughs> um, I... I had dreams years ago when I was in a family freshman sophomore year in college. I had a good friend whose father was a nephrologist, but she was very, very interested in, in women's health. And at the time I thought, you know, adolescent health sounds pretty interesting. And what if we were the dynamic duo that we could, she would do the women's health, I would do the adolescent health, and we would just basically uh, kind of take um, uh, girls and women um, to the next level of, of good well being. Um, well, ironically, she became a nephrologist, and I discovered how incredibly challenging and difficult it is to be just an adolescent medicine physician. Uh, there are so many transitions and difficulties and upheavals and everything else that happen to adolescent patients, uh, let alone the pathology of disease and such that can occur at those ages, um, that I wasn't sure that I actually had it in me to do that. Uh, so then I thought about doing what 
we refer to as a combination med-peds, which is medicine and pediatrics. It's a slightly longer um, uh, residency. Instead of three years, it's four. Um, but you actually learn pediatrics and you learn internal medicine, which is primary care for grownups. Um, and then actually, uh, Dr. Minns, Gerald Minns, um, sat me down one time and said, you know, most people have to choose eventually when they start practicing. Are they really going to be the pediatrician? Or are they really going to be the internist? It's something to think about before you, you start down that path. So mm-hmm. again, I gave it some more thought and realized I would rather actually take care of adults. And mm-hmm. so I ended up in internal medicine. Internal medicine is the branch or the um, kickoff for almost every other medical specialty. So your nephrologists, your cardiologists, your endocrinologists, they all started in internal medicine and then specialized with a fellowship in that. So internal medicine can be the gateway, but I realized as I was doing it in residency, how much of a shortage we have of clinic-based internal medicine physicians in this community. Um, At this point, we are down to, I think the last count I had was about eight or nine, um, I may be slightly off on that, clinic-based internal medicine physicians in this community outside of the the VA. Why do you think Um, that is? Because many of them do go on to a specialty instead. We have two absolutely wonderful family practice residency programs here in town, and they produce very well-trained primary care doctors. Um, who really are the primary source of primary care in this community. Um, So I think there's actually often a misconception of what internists do. We're sort of seen as pseudo-specialists, but really we are just primary care for grownups, much as a pediatrician is primary care for kids. Mm Uh, you've been involved with the Medical Society for a few years now, and I'm not going to, going to assume that everybody knows what the Medical Society does. Can you talk about what it does and how you got involved and why, why you decided to get involved? Absolutely. So the Medical Society represents um, and supports um, more than 1,200 doctors in Cedric County. Um, people are invited um, just by being uh, physicians here in Central County, they're invited to become members. Um, In terms of support, it can be ranging from literally helping with credentialing to um, business questions, um, insurance, uh, both for your own business as well as um, questions about insurance uh, policies, Um, continuing medical education, interactions as we all become either clinic-based or hospital-based, the interactions between doctors are not quite the same as what they used to be. If when everybody was going to the hospital and everybody spent some time there as physicians, you know, the doctor's lounges were sort of the place where you could interact and mingle and and catch up with people. Uh, We don't have that as much anymore. And we, with so many doctors scattered across different hospitals in this community, um, you don't have that interaction. But we know that the four formal meetings and then additional um, other meetings throughout the year with the medical society, you have that opportunity to 
catch up, to talk, to um, do a little bit of networking, uh, to put a face to a name that you've talked to on the phone, but you haven't necessarily seen them um, in person. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the list is endless in terms of what the medical society provides to physicians, especially new physicians. So when I first finished residency, um, by getting involved in the medical society, I was able to meet some of the um, uh, the legends of uh, the Wichita medical community, <clears throat> get an idea to talk to them outside of just a, a medical consultation, um, and get a feel for how many doctors we have uh, literally in this county, um, and get an idea of what are the needs, um, how do we decide which practices to, for instance, support as they try to find new specialists. Um, they do surveys every so often to say, what are the underserved specialties within Sedgwick County? Mm -hmm. You mentioned all those things that the medical mm -hmm. society does, but one thing you didn't mention was COVID-19. And uh, can you, <laughs> <laughs> obviously the medical society wants to and has to play a, a large role in in helping the discussion or facilitating the discussion of, of, of beating back COVID-19. Uh, talk about how that works with, within the medical society. So the medical society um, really tries to stay very uh, neutral um, in terms of, you know, we're not promoting one system versus another um, in terms of the hospitals, for instance, here in town. Um, but absolutely recognize the need to provide straight across the board support, whether it be um, the PPE drive that we did last year, <clears throat> the blast emails that go out with the latest news on testing abilities, um, uh, immunization sites and locations and how to direct patients on where to get their vaccines. Um, updates on treatment protocols. We're getting emails now that some of the oral antiviral medications are being discussed. Um, we're getting emails that update us on, are there any available? If there are any available, where are they? How did the um, distribution get uh, organized? Um, <clears throat> we've put out PSAs including doctors, as well as some patients, uh, strongly, strongly encouraging people to get vaccinated against COVID-19, um, encouraging people to get boosted against COVID-19, um, all of the public health measures that we know that help reduce the spread. Uh, we've been immensely proud and, and supportive of Dr. Minns and his effort on the county level to try to keep um, appropriate guidelines in place to at least reduce the spread of COVID-19 um, through mask uh, recommendations, through distancing recommendations, um, and most importantly, through the vaccine recommendations. Mm -hmm. uh, or, I don't know if a president of the Medical Society comes in in January and, and thinks about goals for the year, but if you do, are all of them COVID-related uh, this year? <laughs> You know, it's it's hard because COVID has become such an overwhelming uh, pall on everything um, that it's hard not to have that be the the primary focus, especially in these last three weeks, where um, the the COVID 
situation has become so drastically horrendous um, in terms of sheer numbers of people infected. Um, and regardless of whether or not they, they are as critically ill as maybe in previous waves, we are now getting to the point where there's so many, so many people infected and affected by this disease. Um, that, yeah, from my standpoint, if you'd asked me this four weeks ago, I might have said, no, I think we can think about other goals right now. Um, I've, I've been approached by um, a pediatrician who's really concerned about the fact that most, even of us physicians, are unaware of how many children in this state, what percentage of the children in this state um, are insured by Medicaid. Um, it's, it's a huge percentage. And the challenge is there are so very few offices that are able to accept Medicaid patients because the reimbursement rates are so low, they just can't make it economically feasible. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have all of these children who have at least some form of insurance, but nowhere to go um, and no one to take care of them. And this is a crisis that just has not been given much attention um, or much focus. So I've been approached about that at the end of the year and thought, well, you know, that might be something that we need to, as a medical society, uh, put a little bit more awareness in, try to figure out how do we start at least the conversation to uh, address this. Um, then there's the, uh, obviously the issues of um, medical disparity, um, even in our own population of adults, we've started an, an initiative in the last year, especially of recognizing how underrepresented um, African-American and black um, uh, patients are and this amazing disparity of the number of, for instance, black men physicians um, and trying to figure out how to promote more black men physicians in this community and in all physicians, all communities. Um, there, so there are a million different things. And yes, I was told uh, to start thinking about goals for the year, but in the last two weeks, the, the COVID numbers have become so overwhelming again that it's, it's hard to look past that. Mentioned so many things that yeah. <laughs> we, as a general public, don't think about. That are so many layers that contribute to these problems. It's it's fascinating. Yes. Um, I, I wanted to ask. You know, you you are primarily a, a a spokesperson for physicians in Sedgwick County. Can you give us an overall temperature on? Uh, the frustration level or the ex exasperation level of physicians in the county right now with with COVID and how we're dealing with it. Hmm. I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to unpack that because I'm not sure that <clears throat> I'm not sure even frustration is is completely a right word. Um, and and I know that there are going to be physicians. I will say I'll, I'll just put the 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 caveat in here. I, I know there are some physicians out there who feel like we're that this is not the problem that it is. But ignoring that. Um, frustration in the sense that I don't think that everybody understands how, how difficult this is. Um, 
and that how many people are ill with, with COVID, um, how many people are coming into the hospitals this week in each 24 hour period. Um, one of the hospitals here in town had 20 people in a 24 hour per period be admitted um, with COVID particularly. And that doesn't sound like very much, except we realize that the number went from 105 to 125 COVID patients overnight. In a 400 bed hospital, that means a quarter of the hospital is now filled with COVID patients. Um, half, such a large number of the workers in the hospital are now becoming infected with COVID. And again, even if they're not ill, they can't be at work for you know, a minimum of five days. Mm -hmm. So the shortage of workers is, is just amazing. Um, and while things like masks are not 100%, they are significant helps to reduce the rate of spread. Mm -hmm. um, and it's such a simple measure. Um, and to watch you know, public meetings um, that are having to be suspended because masks won't be worn, um, when we're watching arguments over um, gatherings because masks won't be worn, um, when we hear the disinformation, the misinformation, and the blatant lies about the vaccines, um, when we get phone calls and letters and notes from patients that suggest that we are withholding treatment, withholding care, um, just because we don't support a political party or because we don't support a political view or because frankly, we're just too stubborn and we won't listen to people who know better than us. Um, you know, so I don't know that that's frustration um, as much as, as just almost sheer dejection at this point, um, but just a little bit of fear too of each day in this last week has become more and more worrisome. Um, and talking to my colleagues who are running, uh, working in the hospitals and running some of the units in the hospitals, um, they're at the ragged edge. Um, and there's, there's not more manpower to be found. It's not like we can go hire more people because they're just simply not available. Um, so yeah, the medical society right now recognizes this. We're trying to figure out how do we put out different statements? Because obviously the statements that we've done so far um, aren't reaching enough people. So trying to find out different methods, different ways to reach out to people to say, if you don't have to gather in groups, please don't. If you have to be around other people, please wear a mask, even if you're vaccinated, even if you're boosted, it's a good idea. Um, and if you're not vaccinated or boosted, please talk to, talk to somebody about your worries, your concerns, what is it about the, the vaccine it's in itself that, that worries you? Um, and let's try to ally those fears. Um, and let's not turn the conversation into who started the virus or um, you know, who's promoting the vaccine or any of those things. That's irrelevant at this point. Um, it's more a case of what are the benefits? What are the drawbacks? What are truly the risks? What are truly the side effects? Not what you read on the internet, not what you know um, somebody has in their TikTok, but what are the true statistics? Right. The politicization of this has been fascinating to, to watch. Uh, and 
we can only hope that it gets better soon. I, I don't know that it's going to get better soon, but Gene, thanks so much for joining us. And with those strong words, I, I, I hope everybody listens to them. And uh, I, I, I know you'll keep getting the message out in your year as Medical Society president. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Kirk. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 242. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well. Be safe. Please heed Dr. Croker's words and have a profitable week.